You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the line from 2 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner here with you alongside Lance Daw and also... Welcome back, buddy. Levi Fitzwater, back after a bit of a hiatus, but it's good to have you back on the show, my man. Cue the uh, Sam, cue the Sam Ellinger. Uh, you know we're back. You know video from uh, the Sugar Bowl a few years ago because uh, I'm back, and man, <laughs> it feels good to be back. I mean, you can only lay on your back and stare at the ceiling for so long, and uh, until you get a little bit bored with that, so. Probably not the best analogy for you to use, though, with the Texas being back because they're never truly back, right? Well, I'm not. I'm not being analogous to them being back. I'm just taking the words because I the am sentiment. actually <laughs> the sentiment. What he meant. What he meant by it at the time. It meant that they were back. Uh, it just it never materialized, and <laughs> it's going to materialize for me because I'm here. I'm glad to be back. Everybody's been so great to me. You know, all of you guys have checked in on me. Been very good. I've had a lot of people who have done so much taking care of me. So. I'm just glad to be here, and you know, I'm glad we're not on Facebook Live today because uh, it's hard to dress as professionally as I can because anything that's not elastic waist is kind of hard to put on right now. Because you got the back brace on, we got that nice <laughs> rock. Like we got we got Call of Duty flak jacket here in the studio. <laughs> I did watch Kong versus Godzilla this weekend, so I can uh, beat on my back brace a little bit right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That's how you can call into the show. Once again, 334-321-1390. Find us on Facebook, Radio Alabama Sports, ESPN 106.7, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Find us on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater, and Lance... You have a new Twitter handle. I finally did it, boys. I finally sat down and I finally made it happen. Uh, I've th- never heard that. I have not heard this yet. I'm waiting. Okay, so this is kind of kind of a play on words, and I, I don't know whether or not you're going to enjoy it, but I'm assuming you've heard of the dog pound or just the do- uh, dog pound in general. Uh, so, I'm a Cleveland Brown fan. Absolutely. Of course I've heard of the dog pound. So I changed my Twitter handle to Daw Pound. Instead of dog pound, you, you get it, you and get that's it. why you thought I would. That's like why I thought you liked that. I was in my head. I was like, I think Noah's gonna really like this one. Do you have a favorite NFL team? No, I, I, I. But there are a couple that I just like to watch consistently. So I enjoy watching the Seahawks a lot. I enjoy watching Atlanta, and, and I enjoy watching the Vikings for whatever reason. So those are the Browns. Three. Not on that list. I would. I you actually know. do enjoy watching the Browns. I have absolutely nothing against them. I'll go ahead and say this: You have no choice with that Twitter handle. Welcome. To the Cleveland Browns fan organization. Playoffs, baby. Welcome. That's right. Our first playoffs in quite some time. They're the best team team in the division. We'll talk about that at some point. They're the best team. You think so? I mean, I I think so. I think they're better than the Ravens talent wise. The Ravens might have them out. I've been saying that for a while, but they might have them out coached. They might have them out coached, but talent wise, I think they have them. We actually will talk about that. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to talk about that later today. today. Not. 
just about the AFC North, but projected NFL win totals for the upcoming year. There's 17 games now in the regular season, and the Browns have one of the higher win totals in the league. Actually, I think they're only a game and a half or two games behind the defending Super Bowl champions, which in Vegas, you know those two games mean a lot when you're betting on win totals and whatnot, but we'll talk about that later on in the second hour of the show. We're going to open up the show here talking about positives that we took away from Auburn's spring game on Saturday, which I'm going to go ahead and start this off. I thought it was one of the worst spring games I have seen in a long time. I can't quite put my finger on it because, you know, we forget about spring games, of course. They're erased by the regular season, but I did not thoroughly enjoy the spring game. We'll talk about negatives, of course, later on in the show, but I wanted to start off with happy thoughts, so positives that we took away from A-Day, even though it was kind of boring. I mean, it's it, it. that's kind of what you're getting into when you think about spring. I mean, I think I... I, I know I, spring games typically are bland and boring. It just, it felt like this one was more than that. It left a little to be desired. It, statistically, yeah. I feel like. Like, they were. whenever you look at the numbers, like, oh, oh, so it wasn't as, as like, eh, all right. I don't know what it was, though. Like, it, it wasn't that it's it was... It's like eating at bottom-tier fast food restaurants. You know what you're getting into, right. just like we knew what we were getting into with the spring game, but it was like it tasted worse than normal. Right, right. Yeah, right. I think it was because... It's like what, I got a stomach ache on top of mm-hmm. it. Is it normally eight-minute quarters for every spring game? Am I, no, uh, I feel no. like that was shorter than normal, right? I was just happy to see that it wasn't a running clock like I'd had, I had been hearing about I would, the week leading up to it. I thought it was it. as well, and, I, and that, I'm very glad that the first half was no running clock. I'm very glad that we actually got to see some football. I would much rather have shorter quarters That's, than a running clock. Like, I'd rather have, like, an eight-minute quarter, like, eight-minute quarters than have... 10, 12-minute quarters with a running clock at the end of it. Lance and I have talked about this. I'd much rather see them play an actual football team rather than themselves. Let's bring Georgia Tech over here. I mean, I'd be down You have a 100% chance that one of your guys gets hurt if you play a spring game. You have a 50% chance that it's going to be one of your guys if you're playing another team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then as far as far as like storylines are concerned, if somebody like Georgia Tech comes to Auburn, I'm not saying that this would happen, but if they do like end up winning the scrimmage or something, it would create storylines heading into the fall. It's like, oh, is Georgia Tech going to be a contender in the Coastal? Or is like, oh, is Auburn on a down year? It's High school a- football teams I'm, do it. I mean, you could do something even with like smaller schools, which I think benefits both of them, because yeah. you get pay them. Say, say you bring bring, it, you bring in like a Troy or a UAB down or even an Alabama State that gives Auburn, you know, the perceived big, you know, the bigger school, the perceived better team. It gives them that opportunity to kind of fine tune themselves, get some things worked out. And then for a team like Alabama State, UAB, Troy, they're playing against a good team. They get good practice and like you're over there. Also get paid a little bit. I say you're making the money sign of there. They get paid to come down here and do it. I think it works out for everybody like I think that and fans are going to want to watch that fans would love to go watch a spring game of Auburn play in Troy even if it doesn't matter even if they're putting in a lot of the backup guys at the end people would love to see that I think yeah. a little bit better than watching a glory you know the glorified Auburn scrimmage that is a day which when they took the opening kickoff to the house oh everybody's excited <laughs> well I, I could hear people complaining and groaning from that moment on our kick coverage unit stinks it's like guys they they, they weren't trying I that was a, by design it did take me a second though i was like oh man I had that's a, a great way to start it out i had a fan turn to me and say you see the guys in the orange jerseys yeah those are the one they labeled them like that because they can't tackle not like they, <laughs> they're not allowed to but they just can't and so everybody at the end of the day will have an orange jersey on he was like just watch it was like okay <laughs> uh, Dude, I, all joking aside right, though that but, was all intentional absolutely I mean, 
Absolutely. And it's smart because most injuries occur on, on kickoff, kickoff, on kickoff right. coverage. So you yep. eliminate that. I don't know why they do kickoff. I was about to say, just not, don't do it at all. I mean, I guess to work on fielding it and you get to did work on your blocks and everything, I guess. Did but. great job dropping the opening kickoff. That, but that too. I don't think we've seen that in the spring game in the past couple of seasons. I think we've just seen somebody kick off, somebody catch a ball, and then they start on the 25-yard line. I'm pretty sure that's what's happened yeah, in the past. You're right. I may be wrong, but I mean that's didn't pay too much attention to that in the past. But you're right, the would, little things, right? I'd be okay with them doing that in you know the regular season as well because so many kickers are so safety. They're so prolific at it now that most of them are booting it out of the end zone anyway. It, most most teams are starting on the 20 or 25 yard line anyway, depending on you know what level or whatnot. So it's like I, for me, it's kind of a dying breed because kickers have become so good at knocking it out of the end zone anyway. I had half the mind to open up today's show saying, guys, don't worry. The kickoff coverage unit doesn't stink. <laughs> the kickoff I'd return. I the mind to, to say the that. The kickoff but. return is amazing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. did you see their yards per return? <laughs> Woo. That's right. That's right. Well, positives that Auburn took away from A-Day. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to on the line. Once again, 334-321-1390. What were some positives that you guys took away from ADEC? Well, I think the first thing that I immediately noticed is that Bo Nix seemed like he was making better decisions. Like, I know, understand that it's just a spring game, but he, whenever he would get flushed out of the pocket, he wouldn't do something stupid. We did see a couple of times where he would evade pressure, and I think that is just kind of his thing to kind of do the Johnny Manziel turn around in the pocket and see who's open. But there were a couple of throws down the sideline that his receivers dropped that were just ropes like they were really pretty throws that were just on a line right down the sideline looked like it was going to be out of bounds but it was just dead on and so I I really like I really like what I saw from Knicks he seems like he's gotten faster like just in person looking at him it seems like he was a little bit quicker and so I think he he made the right decisions and he played really well in in a spring game and didn't throw off his back foot didn't see that either. I didn't see that one time but to be fair Half of his passes were screen passes to receivers and running backs. Yeah, something that I was seeing all over Twitter is like, oh uh, yeah, don't don't start crying now, Auburn fan base. But uh, the second play they ran was a screen pass. Don't second, <laughs> third, fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth. There were a lot of screens, and I'm over exaggerating there, but there yeah. were a lot of screens it was in the nice, ball game. It was nice to see the tight end the first play. I mean, yes, you know what they they knew what they were doing. Under center, break a <laughs> huddle, get under center, and then throw to a tight end. And it was like a ten yard in or in route's not the right terminology for was, that, yeah. is it? I think it was an out route, right? Because he was breaking towards the sideline. But did he start on that side of the line, or I'm did he sure. come from the other side of the line? I think he did. He start on that side. I, I think like he started, started on the left side. Yeah. Okay. I think he started on the left side. But yeah, still I mean, outstanding. Bo Nick, I was impressed with him. I mean, it might be hyperbole, but this is the year. I mean, he's improved so much under this new offense. He's focused. He's having fun. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a dark horse for the Heisman. I'm glad you found a way to work that in there. For listeners out there that may not be on Twitter, that was circulating on social media literally tons. and uh, Tons is an understatement. I mean, you could see it back to back to back on your timeline. Poor poor Nathan. Nathan. Friend of the show, Nathan King, just got bombarded and had he he literally had no idea he was like what is going on everybody had all of these different all of these different accounts were copying and pasting the same tweet it was great have you and seen it's that, what you just said have you seen that photoshop of nicks holding the heisman and it says in a quote i was out there having fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh I man see that. in the words That's of funny. john rothstein it spreads <laughs> that is it true spreads. that is true I and mean, he did look a lot more comfortable like t- you know obviously joking aside on that like he looked comfortable i mean it's like i and with the system 
I think what you're going to see with Bo Nix moving forward, at least somewhat I've, I've gathered, I think you're going to see a lot of moving pockets. You're going to see him like on the touchdown to Canyon where you have him on like a kind of a sprint out play, which I hate that play. That's like my least favorite play to run in that situation is the little sprint out to the side over there. But he kind of Baker run- Mayfield makes it look effortless, though. Well, you, you catch on to that now that <laughs> you are a new fan of the Cleveland Browns. I feel Lance, like there are so yourself. I feel like there are teams that do it well, and then I feel like there are teams that do it so poorly, and most of them do it poorly, where they just they move and run themselves out of real estate and end up having to either like it's hard to it. throw on the run. I think that's an area that Bo Nix can definitely improve in, and I don't know if we saw. I don't know if we saw improvement in that on Saturday. He had one really nice throw when he was having to evade pressure in the pocket, and he stepped into it and delivered across to the far left sideline on a receiver yep. that was tracking back towards that sideline. That was one of those ropes that you were talking about. But there was also a bootleg that they ran for him, and he threw it out. He threw it out yeah. too far out of bounds right. he, for his receiver, and it was not a, intentional. He threw a really good out route. A, I feel like a couple times I might just be thinking of a different time, but he threw a really good out route that I remember on on the game on Saturday, where it was just the in the pocket had good pre- had good pocket protection, throws an out route, and for people out there who don't realize it, like the out route is one of the hardest routes to throw. It's the hardest route to throw. You have to throw that with good anticipation, and you timing. have to have yeah, you have to have perfect timing, perfect strength, because if you perfect accuracy, because if you miss, it's a pick six. If you miss, it's a pick six. If you don't put enough uh, mustard on that ball, it's a pick six. I mean, there's a lot can go wrong if you don't throw it with anticipation. That's a pick six. Like that's that is one of the hardest throws, and that like that's kind of where people baseline when they start looking at you for the NFL. They're like, can you throw this route because it's an integral part of any passing game. The outfield accuracy was a little lackluster. You didn't really see a good bit of that, but I mean, they really overall, didn't open it up downfield. Yeah, but I there mean, was one pass that he did have where he threw downfield and he underthrew it. Yeah, I think it went incomplete. It was different than uh, most of the time in that situation. You normally see it go into the stands. So I guess he he he's getting to where he's trying to figure well, it out. Well, the timing was off. Yeah, timing was completely off. The receiver had already ran his route at that point, at least. 90% of the route by the time he was uncorking it so there was no way to run onto it it was not leading him it was definitely leaving it too short I didn't leave the performance with Bo Nix since this has now turned into a segment talking about Bo Nix's play I did not leave the day impressed I just thought he didn't play bad I thought he played fine I thought he played well but I'm not going to say that I left the day thinking and I, and I think we'd be reading too much into it to leave the day thinking Man, that guy got better to, to actually, you know, yeah. believe that tweet yes. that you're talking about that you said. I think we would be reading too much into it if we believe that because I don't think he was put into any situations really, or at least a lot of situations where he really could show improvement. Had him throwing screens a lot, and it was a, it was a bland offensive game plan as it should be. His best passes were incompletions, in my opinion. <laughs> That's true. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl, and Levi Fitzwater back with you today. It's good to have you back, buddy. I'm so excited to be back. So much better than just laying around the house. Like you I know, can you're only, happy to see the sun. You can only hot take yourself so many times <laughs> until you start thinking, it feels like I'm playing outfield in rec league again. Like I'm just talking to myself out there. You've never played outfield in baseball if you 
Like you have to talk to yourself. Like that's the only way that you get through playing outfield at any level of baseball is you talk to yourself. That's how I felt. I don't know, man. People may think you're crazy on that one. I played outfield. Eventually, you start playing with the grass and thinking about Georgia Tech basketball. It's, and, I mean, that's it's, in youth league. Oh no, it's right? funny that we were actually had, I had this conversation at lunch when I was in rec league. We had a kid that uh, we were in the middle of the game. Ball gets roped to the outfield. We look at center field, and the kid is sitting there, Indian style. He has his glove on his hand, and his back is to the fence. And the second baseman had to run all the way out there, get the ball, and throw it in. We're like, dude, How what are you doing? How old were you? We we're sixth grade. So we were like 11 or 12. So, uh, he needed to quit playing baseball. Well, we asked him, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just counting the cars out here in the park lot. I was bored. And I was like, what are you doing? There's 13. So, I'll why? Tell you, though, at about that age, I feel like after that, that's when you start putting your athletes in the outfit. You start weeding out your men from the boys. No, typically, yeah, typically like rec After le- that, I'm like, uh, sixth grade yeah. and younger feels like in rec league, that's where your yeah. worst players are. That's but once you get older, then you start that's putting where the athletes That's where you start putting the your athletes. big arms, yeah. Because you got to have someone who can cover like large amounts of field out there. I was about to say, somebody right. that can run, I'd probably put out there. Anyway. Baseball. <laughs> we got I some going. I we, love We it. diverted into some baseball talk. And there will be more baseball talk later on in the show. Tough weekend for Auburn baseball. Is it finally over? That'll come up later on in the hour. We got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us at 2.30, coming up in about 10 minutes to tell us about Alabama's spring game. I'm sure a lot of folks were watching Auburn's spring game. Now, of course, the Bama one was over or it was nearing its end by the time that Auburn was starting. So you probably got to watch a nice portion of that Alabama game as well. We'll get his thoughts on that coming up once again at 2.30. We have entered into a conversation about quarterback play. And so we'll just go back to positives and negatives later on. But we've entered into a subsection of positives because we thought Bo Nix played well. I don't think that he showed significant leaps and bounds of improvement, but I don't think that he was put into situations over and over and over again. I don't think he was extremely tested in the spring game I I think it's hard to see that in a spring game anyway because like we all know this it's it's a practice it's a practice game against each other they're not gonna put anything on tape they're not going to be anything but bland and that's what the offense was I don't and he was also playing against the second team defense now I'll say this though diverting off of this for just a moment felt like he was scrambling uh, I I felt like he was scrambling a little bit too much for for this first team offensive line going against the second team D-line I was about to say something that Levi mentioned is like he looked comfortable and I agree he did look comfortable but he was still having to evade pressure a lot and that was the second team defense right if I'm not mistaken so mm. maybe there's some maybe there's some dogs on the defense though there you go (laughs) J.J. Begees, I remember at one point, I think he actually was chasing after Knicks. Like, at one point, it was like a 300-pound man should not be able to move that fast. It was like, uh, we were in the red zone. It was one of the red zone possessions, and J.J. Begees is straight up chasing Bo Nix down. And he was covering good ground on him. And you pointed that earlier, that Bo Nix looked faster. Right. And you still have J.J. Begees chasing after him. Man. The defensive line did not look bad at all. I I understand the situation with the offensive line, but the defensive line played very well for, for their unit. Also... Talking about the the 3-4, I really like some of the schemes that I saw. I really like them. Well, I was listening to the pregame of the broadcast, and Derek Mason was talking about 3-4 and 4-2-5. Brad Law asked him a question about what schemes, what what can people expect from the defense, and he was saying they were going to see things from 3-4 and 4-2-5 primarily. didn't even mention 4-3 in the question that I remember. I think that's what we're going to see this year. I think that's a very accurate 
Not saying that Derek Mason is wrong, but I think Derek Mason was being truthful and open about that. I think that's what you see this year: three four and four two five primarily. I don't think you see four three. Did I don't I say think there will. No, I'm oh, just okay. saying I don't think that there is a circumstance where you will see three linebackers on the field. I understand. You I'll, may see four linebackers. You will not see three. Yeah, and I think that's because because of uh, how many how much depth Auburn has at that position. Did you see Chandler Wooten get juked out of his shoes? I believe it was Wooten. Why do you seem excited about this? Because, <laughs> because it just I'm so I'm so happy. This to is see. the conundrum of a spring game. You're yeah, like, it's like, yeah, the offense did really well. Oh man. <laughs> That, that's our defense, though. <laughs> I think it's good to see. For, I think the, the thing I can take away from this spring game is every position and every player played to their ability. They didn't play worse. They didn't play better. And I think that's good to see because I think this coaching staff can make improvements. And if Tank's doing what he's doing, if he's returning kicks that don't count, if he's if he's busting out 46-yard touchdowns, if he's juking people out of their shoes, I'd like to see him catch that pass on the sideline that Bo Nix threw to him early on. Yeah. But he, he did the things that he normally does, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I agree. I mean, I, there's, I had a lot that I liked from other offensive players. I mean, that Canyon catch was great. Like, I liked his concentration in the end zone. It's a tough I, catch to make because the sideline is blocked. Yeah. It's hard to I see mean, the football until it's coming in. Bo Nix had to kind of throw it a little sidearm through. It was like a Matthew, one of those great like throw. Matthew Pretty Stafford, throw. Patrick Mahomes type of throws. I like. I was under-impressed with Tank Bixby up until the first quarter because he just didn't look like he wanted to play at the beginning of the game because like he, he muffed the punt, he fumbled the ball, he slipped on the grass, and I'm thinking, it's spring, he just doesn't probably want to play. He made three plays in a row where it was like, you you don't do that. And then yeah. he did so many other things <laughs> yeah. to kind of even then, it out after. And then he just ripped one. Like It was like the next play, the next series. He rips one, I'm thinking... Okay, that's what I'm used to seeing. See, that's, that's the spring. And you that's spring, yeah, it. like that's spring game. That's what I was saying about Bo Nix is that I don't think that these players were put into situations where we can really take anything from this. I think it was as bland. That's why I opened the show saying this was one of the least desirable A-Day games I have seen because I felt like it was more bland than usual. I thought it was rice cake bland, guys. Like, nothing. Just plain old styrofoam <laughs> rice cake. That's what we got fed this weekend. And that's fine. No that soy is sauce? Fine. No. No... Mm. No peanut butter on the rice cake. Nothing. Man. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. The atmosphere being there, it, it did kind of feel that way just outside of the game itself. Like it was, it, We expected it to rain. We expected it to be cloudy. It was, it was partly cloudy, sunny, just kind of like not a, not a whole lot going on. The fans, I'm very glad that the fans actually showed up, but there did not feel like there was a lot of energy in the crowd it felt and like they I, were there they were there but so downtown was bumping that oh, night though yeah i saw i saw i went out to eat and then i was walking around downtown and it, it, it felt like a football not to that extent because there weren't that many people to that level of course but there were more people than normal i hadn't seen it like that and well since before the dark times well, yeah. well now you have you know the mass mandate lifted you have a lot of people who are you know coming around to getting that second vaccination so a lot more people feel more comfortable going out now you get football back. You get to go watch a football game because you got to think a lot of people. I mean, there you know Auburn had fans there, but there were a lot of people who didn't get to go to the games last year. This is the first time they've been in Jordan Hare in well over a year, yeah. more than likely. So they were just excited. It was. I haven't been in Jordan Hare since 2019 Iron Bowl. Man, Ooh. I mean, I've I think mine was 2019, like earlier in the season. It was probably like Mississippi State or Tulane that year. Um, if I'm thinking correctly, so I mean, it's been a few years for myself, and that. 
as has it probably has been for most other people as well. They just haven't been in a while. They're excited. They're like, look, I missed out. I missed out on the the extracurriculars after the game last season. So I'm going to take advantage of it right now at this spring game. It felt more everything else around the spring game, like the actual game itself. Everything else around it was pretty hype and excited, but it was like the actual game was kind of so. Meh. We've talked about the meh. Outside of Bo Nix and the fact that a football game happened inside Jordan Harris Stadium, what positives were there on Saturday? I actually have a hard time answering this question. Yeah, I mean, I nobody not, got hurt. That's a big deal. There's not much. I mean, like you got to see guys like Lee Hunter. Like he looked. I thought Lee, Lee Hunter looked good. He That's looked good. One. Like that was a guy that I he stuck off Lee to Hunter me. Looked good. Uh, I mean, I was impressed that Tyler Fromm looked decent. I was, I guess, I kind of Tyler Fromm was the guy at tight end, I, and That's we right. kind of slept on him when we were talking we about did. our series. But he looked better than Towards I anticipated. Towards the top of the depth chart, I think the depth, now think, he was not at the top of my depth chart no, going into it. I think he was the, an afterthought. The depth on defense was something that I was pleased about to see. Walk-ons like Trey Elston having such a serious impact in this game. Uh, guys like Kamal Haddon out there playing well. I felt like Kamal Haddon looked so, really good. So the defensive depth looked good. The offensive line definitely needs improvement and um i don't know whether or not to attribute the good run blocking to to second team defense or auburn's offensive line is still getting really good push up a uh, really good push up front sean shivers i feel like he had a good day i think he and tank bigsby are going to be a, a really good one-two punch in this offense but it there, there's a lot of things that you can't really read into like it take a deep dive into because it's just the spring game i don't think that the offense looked dominant against the second team defense i feel like the first team defense looked dominant against the second team offense which tell which tells me at least the way i'm viewing this and i said that the defense was going to win the scrimmage i told y'all it would be like a 17 to 14 ball game and only ended up being like 17 to 3 but which tells me that the first team defense i think that they're more legit than the first team offense at this point because the first team offense i felt like did not they didn't flex their muscles against the second team defense, and then the first team defense they they took the they they took the second team offense's lunch money. They bullied those guys all day long. I was super impressed with the DBs, and I thought the defense was dominant. I, I had no complaints about the defensive performance whatsoever, and I didn't want to leave a day with any complaints about the defense. And so I I'll list that. I don't know why I said I didn't have I had a hard time answering this. I, I think I had a hard time answering this question for the offense, the defense. I'm I'm very very pleased with. And that's what we expected. I mean, we expected them, you know, we expected the defense to look better than the offense. So that's just, when you look at it on paper, that's what you expected mm-hmm. to happen. So you are happy that you left and not, you, you left without thinking, oh, we got real problems. What on I'm side. happy about is that they were in the right places. Yeah. They found themselves positioned correctly. And I'm not talking about pre snap, I'm saying they were always where the ball was. They were flying to the football. They were in the right spots to make stops. They made it as difficult as possible on the second-team offense. I thought the defense looked fundamentally clear during the 8 day game. We got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports coming up on the phone lines here with us at 2.30. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Headed to the phone lines now. We got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us this Monday afternoon. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? What's going on, Noah? I hope you're doing well. 
doing great and you had an a-day game yourself to watch on saturday i'm sure you enjoyed having football back on the television after just a few months removed from watching the alabama crimson tide win another national championship what were your overall takeaways did the tide look good on saturday or were you underwhelmed no listen i thought alabama looked uh thought they looked pretty well bryce young had a, a pretty good day had a couple drops you didn't get to see Jalen Milrow. You got to see Paul Tyson throw to Ajayi Hall, and I thought Hall um, probably submitted himself as one of the top receivers on the team, so you'll be seeing a lot of 17 uh, moving ahead in summer camp, fall practice, and then heading into the start of the regular season. But I think for Alabama, a lot of guys didn't play in the game. Um, hard to gauge exactly how good they are. There's a, kind of a lot of shuffling on the offensive line. You got to see the Brockermeyer brothers play a little bit. But overall, I think you're Nick Saban – Bryce Young didn't light up your defense, which I think a lot of Alabama fans should be pleased with. It looked like that defense is coming along under Pete Golding. You know what you're going to get in Bryce Young. You're not, you're not really worried um, with him. Now, is he going to be a gamer? I think we've seen him play very well in game situations. Is he going to take over the team? Is he going to win the team as a captain? He's still a young guy, but I think he has respect to the team. I think Alabama fans left today. You know, It wasn't the most fun spring game in the world, but you got to see a lot of things that are very promising analyzing Bryce Young's play just a little bit more in depth here what are maybe some areas that you think the quarterback could improve on this early in his career man I'm gonna tell you he made some good moves in the pocket I thought he made a lot of deep reads I didn't think he threw to his number one often Uh, and when you're going up against the ones and you lose guys like um, Devontae Smith and, and all the receivers you know Waddle yeah, you're going to have to make some reads in your spring game because that number one guy is not, not always going to be open because you're relying on doing it by committee. I thought Bryce Young made some pretty good reads. I thought he made some really good throws. I remember one right down the middle of the field in between four defenders, hit his guy in the numbers. It ended up being a hit on him, and he dropped it. But and Bryce Young, I don't know. I, it's tough for me to see because I don't know what the total game plan was. I don't know what they were really trying to do. I know the offensive line wasn't exactly what it's going to be moving forward. Um, So it's tough to say this is what Bryce Young can do better. I'll gauge it in all spring scrimmages. I think Bryce Young, you would grade his spring as an A and A-plus for what he was able to do. Didn't get a lot of reps last year. When he did, he kind of impressed, and he's definitely impressed the coaching staff. I think he impressed a lot of fans Saturday and A-Day. The quarterback's usually what everybody kind of gravitates to in the spring, but who was somebody else on that offense that really stuck out to you that, you know, that you know, maybe Alabama fans aren't used to hearing from? Well, you're going to have a lot of freshmen that uh, stand out in Tuscaloosa. And I think the receiver, Jai Hall, um, the way that he went up as a young player, and you saw his – if you ever watch, if you're an Alabama fan, I know a lot of those guys, they watch the recruiting tapes of these kids, and everyone from a Jai Hall was going up, elevating, ripping the football away from a defender, making you know these, these plays, leaning on the sideline, making – the toe taps falling out of bounds. And the first time the public gets to see him, he's doing the exact same thing from high school into college. And for me, I just think that's so impressive. And you're not even mentioning a lot of the other guys that are that are playing. I mean, Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be a guy. Leary, I mean, JoJo Earl's in this class. There's a lot of receivers that you can hang your hat on. And and for Alabama fans, you're, you're kind of licking your chops right now. Yeah, you lose Smitty, you lose Waddle, you've lost – um, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs over the last few years, but you bring in this crop of receivers and you see a Jai Hall do what he did on Saturday, um, you're just really, really impressed 
um, with that Alabama offense. Right now, that's Paul Tyson throwing to him. And I know they were running up against the number two defense, but Ajayi Hall, very impressive. Those those catches are tough versus air that he was making. What he was able to do Saturday, man, our Alabama fans are excited about it. On the defensive side of the football, you seem to be impressed with what they were able to do here year three under Pete Golding. What stuck out to you about the defense on Saturday? I thought making plays on the ball in the air, I think being with the receivers, there wasn't guys just running wide open down the field. I know Latu had a big catch, but I just thought that they were in the right place at the right time to make plays. They got they got pressure. And you got to remember a lot of guys, not I think 20 or so guys weren't active for the spring game. But, I mean, Pete Golding, I think his expectations this year are kind of what Nick Saban talked about in, in some random interview a couple weeks ago. The, the game has changed. Pete, if you can give me a defense that averages 20 points per game, giving up 20 points per game, we have a very, very good shot of winning a national title with this with this offense that we have with Bryce Young, with Bill O'Brien, the offensive line. I mean, if you can give up 20 points per game, we're probably not going to lose any football games here in Tuscaloosa. So we're all spoiled. We remember the early Kirby Smart days where we never gave up any points and you're battling out 12-10 football games versus Tennessee and Rocky Blocks and – 21 nothing national title games against uh, against LSU, 42-14 national title games against Notre Dame, but those days are those days are about over. The rules favor the offense so much. Pete Golding, you, know, you play teams like Ole Miss and and some of these high powered offensive teams. Even if you play Georgia this year, last year you had to play Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Tony and all those guys. You know you're going to give up points. Can Pete Golding get just enough stops a game? to win those games, and he did it all last year, and he's bringing almost everybody back on this team. I think if you're Alabama, you, a lot of Alabama fans can rest assured this year knowing that Pete Golding is your D.C. as opposed to going in last year thinking, oh, my God, Pete Golding is our D.C. Looking at college football as a whole, most teams have wrapped up spring practice now. Most teams with their A-Day or spring game equivalent this past Saturday – they're going into the offseason. they got a couple of months before the freshmen come into campus and before you get gearing up for the next college football season. Is Alabama the favorite to win the title this upcoming year in your mind? Yes. Who are you going to put up there? I mean, you got to realize what Alabama just did. I know Justin Fields was banged up, but that is, a, that is an Ohio State team that beat Clemson by four touchdowns, and they come in there 10 days later – and it's like Alabama's playing Alcorn State, Kent State, um, some middle-of-the-pack ACC school. No, they were playing at the Ohio State University, and they beat them the same way that they did Texas A&M early in the year. I mean, just think about that. Alabama beats Ohio State the same way they did the third or fourth-best team in the SEC, a team that finished with, you know, some uh, not the way that, especially for what Texas A&M was expecting last year, didn't finish the season the way they wanted to. But Alabama beats them like that. And they're bringing almost everything back on defense. You lose Smitty and Waddle, but you rec- you've recruited better than anybody in the history of college football. Who would you put up there? I mean, is Clemson just going to reload with Angola Lele or however you pronounce his name? No, no, you pronounce his name better than anybody else. That was are accurate. they just going to reload? I mean, I thought it was pretty good myself. But, I mean, <laughs> are they going to reload? Is Ohio State just going to be able to instantly replace Justin Fields? I think I watched some highlights of their spring game. Can't remember their quarterback. They looked okay. They have three true freshmen playing. Exactly, but that's also a team that lost a potential top ten pick in the NFL, maybe the number two or three quarterback off the board that Alabama just dismantled. 
are they going to be able to take Alabama off the throne this year? And I'm assuming you're not I, afraid I of Iowa State either. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, who who is going to do it? So I just overlooking I, Spencer I just Rattler. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Spencer Rattler is a turnover head case, but <laughs> I just think that, I, and not a very good person either. But I just think that you know, right now, like, who as Alabama? If you if you gave me Alabama against the field right now. I might take Alabama. They've only missed the college football playoff once. They lifted the college football playoff trophy three times, I believe. Maybe four, three or four times so far. You're starting to lose count in Tuscaloosa. Um, and we still got to talk about baseball, guys. So let's not forget about that. A nice little series for Alabama. But I think it's Alabama versus the field. I thought, we well, gonna, I thought we were going to get out of here yeah, without I, him I bringing it up. Too. I thought we would, too. All right, well, then, Jeremy, the floor is yours. Baseball, take it away, my man. Uh, I, I got receipts on this show from last week. I don't know if Noah said they were going to sweep. I think you said they had a good chance to sweep, and you can say that they were all three uh, one-run games. But uh, so far, Brad Bohannon, uh, uh, disappointed with kind of with Tim Hudson, didn't think. Um, and then Hunter Johnson yelling, yell louder, Gabe, was hilarious. I just think the series overall for Alabama was kind of how you've seen the pendulum swing a little bit in all sports. Back to Tuscaloosa this year. Auburn had their run for a couple years, but right now Brad Bohannon's got it rolling. Auburn can't win a close game. Um, And if you're Alabama, I know you're not great in SEC play. You started off the year against the top three teams in the league, but, I mean, you sweep A&M, you come back and you take two or three versus Auburn. And not only that, you hit the ball well. Alabama's, a lot of times this year, they just haven't hit the ball well, but Diodotti's coming up clutch. Prater's coming up clutch. Jarvis with the walk-off. I don't know, guy. I mean, I just felt like y'all y'all came into that Alabama Auburn series a little more confident than you should have been, and a lot of people were wondering why you guys were confident that Auburn could take two out of three. And while it was close, I was on the other end. I, th- I thought Alabama had a great chance to take two out of three, a good chance to sweep, and it kind of went all the way. So I predicted two out of three. I said they'd win game one and they'd win game three because I didn't think Prelip would have a good outing, which he didn't. And then Auburn obviously lost both of those games by one run, so I wasn't too far off on those. But I, I did not – I for some reason, I didn't expect Auburn to win game two. But I knew if Auburn won Friday and Saturday, I was like, well, sweep is on because I felt the most confident about Sunday, which ended up being a loss. And Prelip only went one inning, but Alabama's bullpen did a lot better than Auburn's bullpen did. Just by one run, though, that was all that it took. But Auburn's no, pitching yeah, – I did not it. expect Auburn's pitching to, to struggle as much as they did this weekend, mainly because – I felt like Alabama's lineup was top-heavy, which it is. You're going to look at the numbers, it's top-heavy. I didn't expect Auburn's line, uh, Auburn staff to struggle as much, but they did not get enough out of the starters or out of the bullpen as they needed to, as evidenced by how many runs were given up this weekend. Yeah, and you're right. I thought it was a weird It was a weird game one. I don't think either starter made it to the fifth inning, but Alabama was able to win that. Also got to ask, why, did Bo, why is Bo Nix not throwing the ball 100 times in your scrimmage? The guy struggled as a passer. He needs as many live reps as possible. He's playing against the coveted Auburn defense out there on the plane. Why is Bo Alabama ran roughly 130 or so plays between the two teams? Auburn ran about really ran about 80, I believe. They're also why playing is Auburn not letting, I mean, why is Auburn not letting Bo Nix just let it ride out there in a spring game that doesn't matter with a guy who has trouble staying in the pocket? Why is he not getting as many reps as possible? I think that's an excellent question. It's something that we probably should talk about later on in the show. I think that's an excellent question because, what was he, like 10 for 13, guys? Was that the final stat line or was he, it like 8? Yeah, it was 10 for 13, I think. Yeah, 12 for 20, actually. Really? He was 10 for 13 in the first half. Okay. All right. Wow, well, that's I mean, a bad second the, half. The 10, 
Well, the bad, you could say, you know, bad second half, but I just think Bo Nix, like the, what's killing Auburn in the past to me is just, they're not, they've tried to throw the downfield passing game. And I guess my on offense, obviously not set up for that, but now you got to, we're, Auburn's trying to get Bo Nix in a situation where he's comfortable throwing the ball downfield. Now you could say he doesn't have a lot of weapons right there right now, and I would tend to agree with that. But, man, I'm letting Bo Nix let it go 50 times in our spring game. Tank, how many reps does Tank Bigsby need? None. He's one of the best running backs in college football right now. We Bo saw Nix a lot, is the key to that team. We saw a lot more out of, out of Tank Bigsby than I thought we would in terms of snap exactly. count. But I, I'll say this. I turned to my dad, who I was watching the ball game with. I didn't go to the game. I, I just made the poor decision to stream it. Really poor decision. <laughs> but I uh, I decided to stream the game and watch it. And I turned to my dad and I said, man, he's still out there, you know, well into the second half. And I was like – and then we both instinctively looked at each other and were like, you know what that means – needs all the help he can get so i don't think you're too far off on that but they didn't they they really did not have a they didn't have an intricate game plan in terms of passing the football a lot of screens a lot of easy passes they didn't really let him air it out you're 100 percent right in that what are year three expectations for bo nix right now on the point i mean obviously you wanted to get a little better but a little better is not going to reach auburn expectations overall what does bo nix need to do this year guys I think his completion percentage has to go way up because right now, career-wise, he's lower than Jeremy Johnson, which is abysmal. Uh, I understand that he's thrown many more pass attempts than Jeremy Johnson has, and I understand that he's started in way more games than Jeremy Johnson has, but that's still not good company to be in at the moment. So he's got to become a more accurate passer, and I think he's got to handle pressure better. And if he does those two things, I think you see a much better performance out of Bo Nix this upcoming year because I think he's got the talent, and I think he's got the athleticism to do some fun things with his legs, but they got to find a way, and these are things that Brian Harson has said recently after their second scrimmage before they got to A-Day, the Saturday, right, the Saturday a week out from A-Day, so two Saturdays ago, or a weekend ago, that is, Brian Harson said, start talking about pressure cookers and Bo Nix being able to handle pressure better, talking about his decision making. I wouldn't be shocked if Bo Nix was the guy throwing picks in practice. I wouldn't be, and I think a big part of it, he's just going to have to get better in dealing with pressure, learning how to read defenses. I actually think this team this offense is actually making him play like a quarterback, whereas in the past, Gus Malzahn crippled quarterbacks with these really these one-read lazy schemes that were designed to try and make it easier, but at the end of the day, it didn't help develop any quarterbacks at all. So, well, Jeremy, I appreciate you, my man. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Well, first I want to get a shout-out to my guy Doug that listens in Silicon every day. He absolutely loves you guys' show. Um, he loves the Auburn talk. Keep, keep, keep it rolling. You can find me on Twitter at INJ underscore law, guys. I'm happy to talk to you next week. And uh, it should be, I know, I listen to you guys almost every day. So I'm looking forward to hearing you all week as well. Appreciate you, my man. I hope you have a good rest of your day. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one. We'll keep talking about A-Day here. I think it, I think a good topic of conversation is the Bo Nix question he asked us. Let's go in a little bit deeper on Bo Nix's performance when we come back on the other side of this break. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Daw this Monday afternoon. A great way to start off the week. We actually have stuff to talk about, guys. Like We're not estimating we're not guessing we're not projecting we had real football this past weekend it was at least a glimpse it. of it we had something a it's, rice cake version of it but it's something to talk it. about it's something that's here it's a tangible football game it was a game that we actually got to see like you said no predictions no 
lists, no rankings. It was something that actually happened that we got to see. It just made me long for the fall. It just, it's just come on, just go ahead and get here. I'm just can't wait for SEC football this fall. Well, baseball's been so abysmal. I'm still enjoying it, but here's my problem. I'm upset that ESPN and other broadcast entities do not broadcast college basket or well they do <laughs> they do broadcast college basketball <laughs> college baseball i love baseball they don't even cover you guys it. know this it's well documented i love baseball they don't broadcast it you get like when you get into the weekend yes you do get a game here or there and the sec network at this point in the season like you're getting sec games but the rest of college baseball is not covered yeah, and I, I agree like with that. A, like a it's, Big 12 or an ACC game during the week, I don't get AC. Well, I do get ACC Network now that I think of it because I have YouTube TV. I used to not get ACC Network. Now I do. So I can watch an ACC game every once in a while. But, like, it's just it's largely an afterthought until you get to the postseason. I think uh, I think I might have said this on the show before, but there was a time where I think I was in, like, middle school or high school, and me and my cousin were trying to find the score. I think LSU and Florida were playing in college baseball. We couldn't even find the score on the ESPN website at the time because like it was so just undercovered and oh it was, no yeah ESPN's app like, is a terrible place to go and look for college baseball I scores mean, and that was that was years ago and it's yeah. still and if it's still it's still the same way today terrible which means that in all of those years since I've been out of high school middle school age it still hasn't improved like there's I think you would actually do well like I think people would genuinely watch it because I think people are interested and I think you might grab a couple more fans of college baseball if you just broadcast it a little bit it's hard it's it's hard for someone on the fence to sit there like me like who would who never really watch it that much and wanted to get into it now like there are times where i see auburn's playing and i'm like oh cool where do i watch it and you can't and i'm just like oh this this thing a lot of times you gotta stream it too nowadays and not even all of the ones from here out i think every single game is broadcasted in some way if it's sec network plus or if it gets on SEC Network, I actually think every series from here out, there's at least one game on SEC Network for Auburn baseball. So there is, there is, like I said, as you get later and later in the year, you can see it, but you can't see any of it like up until about this point now, which majority of the season's already passed. You got like five SEC series left. And now we don't which, want to watch Auburn at this point. <laughs> yeah, two and 13. So I'll just go ahead and ask you guys this question. After Auburn lost two out of three games this weekend, is it over? Is it finally over? We've been talking about there's been a way back. Mathematically, there's been a way back. There still kind of is, but uh, you would need some sweeps from here out, and I, I, I think it's over. I think every I think, I think every time we've done a prediction heading into the weekend, we've we found a reason to be confident about Auburn baseball heading in. And there's always been some. I wouldn't say we're irrational in the in the way that we were like, oh, Auburn definitely can take two out of three. I'm picking them to take two out of three. There's definitely been a reason why we've done it in the past, but every single time. Auburn has come out and disappointed by just this much. Every single time they've come out there and they've almost pulled it off, I don't think they can from here on out after seeing them do it time and time and time again. I just think the bullpen is is, is not is not performing the way that they should be. I, I think it's time to throw in the towel. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a chance. I don't think there's a way back in because you would have to have a lot of sweeps against teams that, let's be honest. Pretty good you're probably not sweeping like I mean especially with the way you are and it, it reminds me of those Philip Rivers Chargers where they're all like it feels like they're almost always in the game and it's just you know they're down eight points 80 yards to go no touchdowns if you're equating it to football you know you're just losing every game by a run by a score like it's 
it's been the story of the game. Like Auburn could not, they just haven't been able to put away somebody. They haven't been able to win games down the stretch. And that's why you, that's why it's more frustrating this way because it has been, there've been winnable opportunities. It's right. just not going Auburn's way. Right. I think the other thing is we knew this team was so talented. Oh yeah. That we thought at some point this thing's got to turn around, right? There's no way this team doesn't make the postseason. They're too talented. I think we've reached that point of almost there's no mathematical point of, where you're almost past the point of no mathematical return so more of on the line on the other side of this break we got hour number two coming up stay with us you are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicaga and in auburn and opelika on espn 1067 listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and levi fitzwater join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That's how you call into the show, 334-321-1390. We want to hear your thoughts. Whoever you support, you probably had a spring game this weekend. What were your thoughts on it? We want to hear from you about it, Auburn-related, anybody we want to talk to you. What were the positives that you took away? What were the ne- negatives that you took away? Maybe some of your top performers. What'd you like? What'd you dislike? We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open, and we are taking your calls. Gentlemen, we talked about positives that we took away from A-Day. Negatives that we took away from A-Day now is where we turn. And I'll start it off with the one that appears to be the most glaring to me. Backup quarterback play is abysmal. Yeah, I mean, this is the worst it's been, I feel like, in a long time. I mean, you have Grant Lloyd, who did not look great. Uh, Demetrius Davis is young. I mean, he shows that he has flashes of talent, but he's a young guy. And then you have Sawyer Pate, who just needs to grow up because he's wearing number 20 for whatever. Sawyer Pate didn't play. I saw him at the end. I saw him him tried out there with that number 20. One for two for four yards. Oh, he did play. I saw him tried out with that. Wow. Maybe I just checked out at that point. You were probably just so filled with anger that he was wearing number twenty like <laughs> no. I was. I saw no. it. I saw that. I was at the game. I saw that. I'm like, oh, Levi's gonna have a field day with this one. I hate it. Grant Lloyd took a lot of snaps, which tells you that the guy probably is the number two on the depth chart. But I left Saturday thinking that guy never needs to see the field for Auburn. If he's out there, Auburn's in a tough spot. In my mind, he was fourth spring because I think Demetrius Davis and Garnett can play better than he can. I I don't remember Garnett from Saturday either, though. He was one for one for 18 yards. I believe it was that little screen pass at the end of the game. See, it's like those guys didn't play. Davis even didn't get to play a ton, but when he did, I was like, all right, the guy, the guy's done some good things. You you remember the throw that he put on the back shoulder towards the sideline? You remember that? He looks shifty. I mean, they the can't, guy can move. They, they can't even when even we though they like that, though. even though they can't tackle him, he did look at least like you know what I mean. Like you can see someone running. I actually and go, think he becomes wow. more effective if the live jersey, like it, if he if he's live, if he can be tackled. I actually think he becomes more effective because now. You have to actually wrap the dude up rather mm-hmm. than just touch him, or or rather than just get in his vicinity because they're not going to let somebody touch the guy. So he's going to be downed quicker. Running quarterbacks are always 
muted, you know, throughout a ball game in the spring. So if he actually had, you know, if he was able to be tackled, I think I think his effectiveness goes up a lot. I was impressed by Davis. I'll say that. But Grant Lloyd played the most snaps, which tells me that they they had they wanted to get him playing time. They wanted they're they're trying to apparently develop him into some type of backup role more than they are concerned about Demetrius Davis in that way because he he doubled Demetrius Davis probably in snaps and attempts I don't have the stat sheet in front of me but you do I do yeah so just looking at the numbers from Saturday as far as passing is concerned Grant Grant Loy was four of 12 for 29 yards and initially I thought I was like well it's just the offensive line pressures getting to him but every single time he had a clean pocket he would overthrow his receiver or just make a bad read I really didn't like what I saw from Grant Loy Demetrius Davis two of three for 48 yards like you said didn't really get to play <laughs> yeah, quadrupled him in attempts, but but uh, Demetrius ended up having a better completion percentage, and overall just looked like the more competent quarterback. I think offensive line for me is is where my frustrations lie the most because even with with Grant Loy having his struggles, I think part of that was the offensive line. I think for Bonex, we saw him roll out way too many times in a spring game. Uh, I, I just don't like. I didn't like what I saw there. This offensive line has to improve in pass blocking in order for Bo Nix to succeed. Jeremy Law was asking, well, what are your expectations for, for Bo Nix? I'm like, I don't have expectations for Bo Nix. I have expectations for this offensive line because I know what Nix is capable of, which is being maybe the t- a top 20, top 15 quarterback in the nation. But if he, gets, if he gets an offensive line, if he doesn't, he's going to be terrible. I mean, that's also going against the second-string defense. Like, it's not even just spring game. Like, you're right. going against a, an SEC second-string defense, and you are still struggling to block. And, like, you can't do that. Like, they need to go out there and show. It's like you said earlier, they, the defense flexed their muscle. The first-string first string defense flexed a little bit. You didn't see that from the offense And the second-team defense impressed, I felt like. I think it, so. It's not that and the second-team defense yeah. won against the first-team offense. But it was close enough to where I was like, all right, there's some guys on that side of the ball. I, yeah. th- I felt like Chris Thompson Jr. played pretty well. His name came up several times, flying forward and making some tackles in that second level. I felt like he was aggressive. I liked what I saw from him on that side of the ball. I felt like the DBs, top to bottom, yeah, first I mean, or second team, they were good. always in the right position. Like, Kamal Hadley was good. So, like, I mean, like, even that's a guy that you're, it was like an afterthought going in. But it wasn't, there. it's not like the receivers were having to do a whole bunch. But when it, they it's were, not like when it, they were open, they were dropping passes. That's also true. That's also true. I find I, talking about the secondary, and I've said this so many different times on the show. I think this may be the best secondary unit in the country. A, a walk on led the scrimmage in tackles. A walk on led the scrimmage in tackles, and it wasn't just bogus. Like he actually went out there and played his heart out. Uh, Chris Thompson Jr. three tackles and a tackle for loss. Kamal Haddon three tackles and a forced fumble. I mean, this secondary played really solid. I'm not saying like if you look at Bo Nix's stat line, you look at Loy's stat line, you look at Demetrius Davis. Like, oh well, the passing offense is abysmal. It's like no, the, the, our secondary is just really good. I still would have liked to have seen Bo Nix be a little bit more effective. I didn't feel like the offense was effective against the second team defense. I felt like there were it's not like it went on without a hitch the running game did and you asked the question earlier was it because they were playing the second team defense or was it because they were truly that good and I didn't feel like the running game I I, I think it's I think it's more of that they were playing the second team defense not the fact that it was really that good now I think Auburn's going to be able to run the football effectively this year I don't know if after the spring game I, I think the question we're trying to answer here and maybe and maybe the spring game is not a great indicator of it but I did not leave the spring game thinking the offense got better 
No, I, 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 I didn't think so either. I think and Bo Nix improved a little. But. I think I think you can't read into it too much because of what the play the plays that are being run. It's like, well, they're not going to run these plays in a real game. They're not going to be this vanilla, this bland. But yeah, they're not going to throw that many screens at in, the in same, a football game. Yeah, at the same time, it's like you got to be able to, to go out there and throw effectively against against a second team defense that you play against in practice consistently as a third year quarterback. I just I, I don't know I don't know what's what's going on on that side of the ball. You can you can say a lot of different things about Knicks. You can say a lot of different things about this offensive line, but it's just really confusing as to how this far into his tenure he's not he's not shown us like consistently like oh he's the guy he's a, he's a he's an SEC quarterback he is an Auburn caliber quarterback. I think he can develop into that. Like I said, if he gets an offensive line. But it's not it's not happening. So Jeremy asked us a good question too. Why was Bonax not throwing the ball more than he did? Because it obviously needs all the practice he can get. I looked at my dad, like I said in my answer to that question, I looked at my dad and was like, Man, this guy's still in the ball game. This guy's still playing. I didn't expect to see him for, for a super long time, but then it, it dawned on me instantly, I was like, Well, this coach that tells you everything that the coaching staff thinks he needs all the he needs all the practice he can get but at least in and also we have to also account for the fact that this is not this is not year three for this quarterback in this system this is year three for him in an Auburn jersey it's year one for him in this system and with this coaching staff and so they're probably still trying to get him as many reps as possible in running this new offensive scheme and operating that's a big thing that that Brian Harson has said over and over again operating and being able to make the right calls and, and just being able to run an offense and Bo Nix has been the best at it out of all of those guys my thing is like shouldn't you be able to do that in an incredibly simplified version of it in a spring game shouldn't you which be I able think to do he did I, I, don't, I don't think he did it ineffectively like at, at operating it actually like you know making sure that the plays were run and that there weren't any mistakes I don't think the offense I don't think Bo Nix really made any mistakes just, I didn't see any mistakes out of him. But like you said, you des- you want more from him. I don't feel like there are a lot of big plays and they weren't consistently executing to where it's like, oh, th- this this is an SEC caliber offense. Offense yet. still looked difficult. I've said this many yeah. times over the years, especially under Gus Malzahn. I was like, well, Auburn just, Auburn finds a way to make offense look hard. Like they, they fi- It's like they make it more difficult on themselves. Other teams make offense look easy. Ole Miss makes offense look easy. And you think, well, why, why can't we do that? But you look at it, and you see Auburn, it feels like they, they just can't. It's like they're in their own way a lot of times. And so I, I was not happy with how close the first-team offense was with the second-team defense's performance. I thought the second-team defense like made the first-team offense work for it. And you would have liked to But have that's seen, a positive in itself, too, it, probably. It's a positive, but it's also a negative on the yeah. offense. I mean, you would have just liked to see like, – again, I understand what they were probably trying to accomplish. They just wanted to see – like you said, they wanted to see him operate the offense, not just throwing the ball, seeing what he's doing, you know, like during the play. Like he wants to see how he operates, how he's what he's doing at the line. Is he checking? Is he going through progressions? Is he, you know, does he know the plays? Does he know where to hand the ball off to? Like what play is what? Because these are a lot of different offenses. And you got to remember, this is still his third offensive coordinator that he's going through. So there's going to be some, some time. It's I mean, he's going to have to get that and understand it. I still would have liked to see, and I think a lot of Auburn fans would have liked to see what he looked like fundamentally in throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. Because we know that the short passing game, Bo Nix has done pretty well over his career. Stats reflect that. It's the intermediate to deep passing game is where he struggles with. And you would have liked to see, has he improved on that? And they didn't really give an opportunity 
for at least the fans to see how he ha- see how he has improved, if at all. Are you guys shocked that we saw Auburn out of the shotgun like ninety percent of the time, maybe more than that? Not really. No, that's just what that's, really? that's often that's what offense. On our is. show on Friday, Lance, me and you were talking about 60-40. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not shocked. Like I'm not. I'm. I'm not upset with it either. I'm just like, okay. Well, if this is the offense that we're going to run, then I'm content with it. It's, Definitely resembled a little bit more like what you might see Iowa State do on a, on a Saturday, and that the team that's the team that comes to mind because I watch them a lot, mm-hmm. and that's a a coach that I really wanted Auburn to go after during this coaching search. And, I, and I'm shocked Matt Campbell hasn't become more of a household name in college football considering what he's done at Iowa State year in and year out. Maybe it's him. Maybe he just doesn't want to leave. Maybe he likes it there. Maybe he's got it made. I love Ames. I mean, mean, you can put a statue of him up in Ames. People people probably adore that guy with the way that he's built the program. I mean, he's got an ESPN's FBI playoff predictor. They're like in three out of the five top playoff scenarios they have they're they're in as many playoff scenarios right now as ohio state is in terms of their percentages which is absurd because if you beat oklahoma at at iowa state with the way the big 12 is right now and you got a shot and i mean texas obviously they're we're expecting them to do something would be better but like the problem is you have to beat oklahoma twice now yes if you could beat if you can beat oklahoma twice and not fumble a couple games away like you know, don't lose the ones that you absolutely shouldn't. Like you could drop one to a Texas. Or that's the thing with Iowa State, though. You know, you don't you, think about Iowa State that way. You think about Iowa State like, yeah, they are going to lose a couple because yes. they, in terms of recruiting, there are other teams in the league that maybe aren't performing at, at at as high of a level consistently as Iowa State is, but they can still they still have the players that could beat them if they play their A game. Don't drop it. You can't drop that random game at Stillwater. You the can't margin drop for that error Texas for Tech Iowa game. State is a lot lower than yes. the margin for error yes. for Oklahoma because you don't have the the athleticism that Oklahoma has or Texas has. You or can the play name, the name in general. Yeah, those teams can play worse and still win. Iowa State has to play on their A game like every week just to go nine and three some years, you know. And so for Iowa State to even be considered in a playoff scenario i know we're going off off the rails here but we just had to gush over matt campbell for a bit because he's done he's done really well he's doing really well but I, I was saying the the offense looked a lot like that because they'll run a lot of two tight end sets and we saw a ton of unbalanced lines which i love because that creates matchup nightmares if you're on to the weak side and kentucky did that to auburn a ton if you yep. go back and watch mm-hmm. that game from last year kentucky ate auburn up on the ground in the first half by just running to the weak side with unbalanced lines on the other side of the ball so like that that is i i loved i, I loved that i saw that i liked what i saw for formation wise from auburn I, I it was it was a breath of fresh air i wasn't seeing the same stuff that i was saying in the past i, I think matchups wise Auburn was doing stuff pre-snap that I think we're going to like a lot when the season rolls around so I liked that and I like the fact that I saw a lot of two tight end sets and I mean I think also you're looking at this going into spring it's a bit of a tra- I mean it's a transition so I'm not I wasn't surprised to see a lot more shotgun because a lot of these players are used to that and Brian Harson does run more of a multiple like it's a pro style but like it's a more multiple set kind of pro style where you are still going to see some sort of spread dynamics I mean it's you're still going to see a ton of it's, shotgun. It's 2021. Like that's football. Yeah. Like if you're not running a lot out of the shotgun, I mean, it's longer gone are the days where a pro style offense means you're primarily under center all the time. Like you're Do going you think to be that in the that's shotgun. Something that they didn't want to reveal. I, I probably yeah. Like they just didn't want to show everything. More of on the line on the other side of this break. We talk a little baseball and continue our conversation on a day. We'll be back in just a moment. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back.
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Dahl with you. Now welcoming in intern Sting into the show for Behind Enemy Baselines with Agent Sting. Going to give us a scouting report on Auburn Baseball's next opponent. Auburn Baseball suffering losses to Alabama, walk-off losses in two out of three games to Alabama this past weekend. Auburn baseball in action again tomorrow, 6 p.m. against Sanford. Sting, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. <laughs> if we're talking baseball, a little dejected, but you know. Yeah, me too. I know. I those two hurt. I was able to actually watch the first one and watch them lose on the walk off. That was a that was a tough one. I did not enjoy that. As long um, as the Braves and Auburn both aren't losing at the same time, I think I'll be uh, I think I'll be okay. Be all right. Yeah, but the Braves. That's but they're both equally disappointing at the moment <laughs> man imagine your team maybe not equally disappointing the braves honestly had higher hopes i had higher hopes than this and then acuna dealing with an injury now mm. this is just so imagine eh. your pro team losing a series couldn't be me <laughs> yeah yeah the royals have yet to lose a series in the 2021 yeah. season i love this wow, music okay <laughs> i haven't got to hear this like i haven't been here for it but like i've heard it but like i haven't been here to hear it so i can hear it clearly right yeah, yeah well, it's, it's different being here well, we've burned the whole hotkey now. So, do you want you want to hit it again, yeah. Sting? Hit it again, sure, my I man, and, and then like give it. us the scouting report on Sanford. I love the the rotors going <laughs> at the beginning. All right, so the opponent tomorrow is the Sanford Bulldogs. Covered that already, but okay. Yeah, I know, but that's what I got on here. Is that, that's that's why I did. I just love giving you a hard time, man. Yeah. Keep it going. Okay, <laughs> scared me there for a second. So Sanford is twenty-two and fourteen, and twelve and three in the SoCon. But they have lost three of their last four games. They played a weekend series against Western Carolina this week and lost the series. It was their first series loss in conference play. So Auburn possibly catching them at a bad time, but... Could be. Yeah, uh, Sanford is coached by Casey Dunn, who, for those who don't know, played catcher at Auburn in the late 90s. Dunn is in his 16th season with the program and is already the winningest coach in Sanford baseball history. He's got over 500 career wins. Sanford's a nice baseball program in this state. Yeah, kind of. Uh, they've been to the tournament twice under Casey Dunn and won a couple of conference championships. And here's an interesting fun fact about their schedule. Sanford is set to play 11 games against SEC competition by the end of the season. So far, they're 0-8. Yeah, they've played Alabama a few times already, I think. They've played, they played Alabama once. twice. They're going to okay, play Alabama once. a second time in May, and they'll also play Auburn a second time in May. That's right. I think they were set to play Alabama earlier this year the second time, and it got postponed. Probably. And then they play Auburn twice. You said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have. Uh, they're going to be coming to Auburn tomorrow, and then Auburn will play them in Birmingham in May. Okay. I think it might be their last non-conference game of the season because it's like the second week of May. Yeah, and then the other SEC games they play. They played one game against Mississippi State, lost that one, and they played three game series against Florida and Texas A&M, and were swept in both. Have they kept them close? No. <laughs> they they did lose nineteen to three to Alabama. Oh, yeah, I do remember yeah. that one. That was last week. I believe. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was last that week. Was the game, last that was the game that Alabama played before. That was their midweek before the Auburn series. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then a little serious history here, which I pulled from the media guide, so I know it's accurate. This is as accurate as it can be, <laughs> assuming the media guide is accurate. Referring to last week's struggles with Georgia Tech. Yes, but. that was tough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And actually, I was really surprised by the number of times these two teams have played. Auburn has played Sanford 98 times, and their record overall record is 73-24-1. The first meeting was in 1909. 
Sanford's holding so, their own, man. Yeah. Right, yeah, and so that's, I mean, there's, there are several SEC schools that Auburn has played less than that. And over the last 10 years, Auburn is actually 8-9 and nine against Sanford. Like since t- really? since twenty I didn't 2011. catch that. But wow, they have a losing record against Sanford. I believe doesn't shock me. Once again, I said this. Sanford's got a nice baseball program. They solid. They are solid. They're nice. Yeah. All right. So a couple of players to watch here. First, I'm gonna go with a Sonny Dichiara. He has a .286 batting average and a team leading eight home runs and second on the team in RBIs with 28. Tyler McManus leads the team in RBIs with 29 and has a .302 batting average. And I had to dig through for this one here, dug through some game notes. Garrett Howe has reached base in 25 consecutive games with a hit in 19 of those. Oh, I go. Yeah. And then moving over to pitching for just pitchers to watch. I tried to find some pitchers that are probably going to be pitching tomorrow and found two that I think are worth watching out for here. Uh, Jacob Cravey has a 2.3 ERA in 19.1 innings with 15 strikeouts on the season. And Logan Jones has a 1.0 ERA with 11 strikeouts on the season and has allowed just three hits in eight games. So Auburn's there, – there's some good players that They're, Auburn will be against yeah. tomorrow. And once again, I mean, this Sanford team is at the top of their league. Are they still in the SOCON? Is yes. That, yeah. Okay. Is it SOCON? Yes, they're 12-3 they're and three in conference play in the SOCON right now. Right. Yeah, and then the last thing I got here, well, actually not the last thing, but uh, the X factor that I have is uh, Ryan Crockett. He is one for his last 16 at-bats, but he does have big hitting ability. He has four home runs and 23 runs batted in on the season with a 250 batting average, so he's kind of in a slump right now. His batting Can average would be see... a lot higher if he wasn't one for 16. Right, yeah. Can he, Could we see him break out of that slump and – I don't know. Or maybe he was hot things. hitting to begin with, and now yeah, he's. Yeah, and maybe he was. Maybe he was just on now an he's going to what streak. he's typically at. Yeah. So who knows? We'll see. And then the best name on the team, I I like uh, John Brocklebank. <laughs> what? Brocklebank. Yeah. yeah. How about that one? Yeah. I stand. I stand by this. You find some of the best names in baseball. You I find do. some yeah. of the best names. I mean, in I, baseball. I, I only work, work with what the schedule gives me, so. But yeah, that was I like it. Man. John Brocklebank. Brocklebank, man. I wonder what the history is behind that name. I don't know. That's I'd, awesome. I'd love to do an all-American uh, team just based off of last names or just names. Period. We've seen for that for football baseball. before. Yeah, those are so fun in football, and it's always guys from the Pac-12. <laughs> I'd love to see that. It says it's from English and specifically Yorkshire origins. There it's actually like. Oh wow! I, I didn't mean, expect just, like, it to have a deep history. This is what I like. I brought up the Brocklebank name. I'm sure there's more. It's, it's, it's I guess it's like a locational it name be, yeah. where it's like. It sounds so, like an English thing. Like off of like Brook Banks is what I'm seeing here, or like Bricklebank. Like they've come from that village, and that's how they ended up with that last name long time ago, and then right. just got passed down. Right. All right. So, cool. So awesome. that was it. Yeah, that's it. That's all. There's I got. your uh, origin of last names. Uh, yeah. A lesson for the day. Brocklebank. The more you know. Man, that would be a fun name to call like a home run. Brocklebank. <laughs> out to deep homer. left field. Oh man. <laughs> Brocklebank hits one out to left field. And it's, it's a walk off nothing. from Brocklebank. You can take it to the <laughs> bank. Oh, no, no, no. I, I saw that coming from my You can way. take it to Brocklebank. <laughs> It's not quite as fun Take as Castellanos, it. homers to left, but it's a pretty good one. 
That's good. Appreciate it, my man. That is Behind Enemy Baselines with Agent Sting. A whole lot more interesting where we're going over SEC opponents, but still, he's he's got his homework on Sanford, and now I feel like we're we're studied up a little bit. So now, if Brocklebank, we see him tomorrow, well then uh, then you know a little bit something about about the X Factor for. Uh, well, he's not the X Factor. That was the name that you had for us. So appreciate it, my man. And uh, so now, my question that I want to field to you guys is still continuing on with baseball. We were talking about this at the end of hour number one. Tough weekend for Auburn baseball, losing two out of three against Alabama. Is it over? We've been talking about mathematical situations for Auburn to be able to make it to the postseason. We've settled on 13 or 14 wins in SEC play as the magic number. Auburn sitting at 2 and 13. During the break, so I don't have to do the math on live radio like I've done the last couple of times, I've already done what Auburn has to do just to try and get to... 13 wins they have to win every single series and sweep one of them just to get to 13 wins it's tough. they're running out they're running out of real estate it's looking like that's not going to happen at this point just i be- think you win the lsu i think i like if they don't give up i think they can win the lsu a&m and missouri series which are your last three and, and i think you can sweep one of them but it's the winning the series against Florida and Georgia that I have zero confidence in right now. Here's my thought process. Going into games in the past, we were like, Auburn Auburn has shown the ability to, to hang with some of these bigger teams like Arkansas and Ole Miss. They're all one-run so one, so, one, one, one losses. Right, so I think <laughs> they'll be able to get over the, over the hump and actually beat one of these better teams, and every single time we've seen them play a better team, they've lost by a run in one way, in one way or another. So I I just I don't have any faith in this team anymore to kind of eke out these close wins against better opponents. It's I, no longer bad luck. It's a trend. That's right. So I just it's it, true. too much from this bullpen. Too many times we've seen Auburn get up in a game and then the bullpen just fall apart at the end. I just don't see this team making it to the NCAA tournament. I mean, you're also playing like for Auburn, they're playing two midweek games this week. So you're going to have Sanford, then Jacksonville State. Then you're going to play that series against Florida, which is arguably their toughest SEC opponent left on the schedule, I would assume. Like I, it is their toughest yeah, I saying, that's left. The, yes. That's the toughest left on the schedule. So you really don't want to. But Georgia's trending upward. They just took two out of three this weekend against Kentucky, and they took two out of three against Vanderbilt a couple of weekends ago. You would feel better about the situation. Obviously, it's not a good situation. You'd have a little bit of, you know, like a miracle. Like you're looking at it thinking they could do this if you had like Missouri and LSU first. Like you had some, you had the easier series first. Something to build you up. You could catch some confidence, and then you go yeah. into that Georgia, Florida. But unfortunately, Man, schedule it's, flip, it's flip flopped. Yeah. So it's hard. That is so true. That is so true, and I think confidence is a big issue for this team as well. They've been put into this situation so many times. They're like, well, here we go again. Can you hold on to it? And they just haven't been able to hold on to it. What are they, like 2-8 and eight in one-run SEC games? Am I right in that? Is that I think that's what it is, I think that's what it is right now, 2-8. Th- and eight. The fact that there has been 10 one-run SEC games in itself, I, I just said it's not bad luck, it's a trend. That is correct. That still holds true. It, it is factual to say that this Auburn team is talented and is it is not just getting blown out and is not worse than all these teams that they're playing they just can't close it out they have one glaring huge weakness and it's the bullpen and they just can't overcome it running out of real estate Auburn baseball we'll be back with more of on the line we got 30 minutes left in the show stay with us stay on the line more of the show when we come back
30 minutes left and on the line. Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That's how you can get through to the show. Phone lines are open. Call in once again at 334-321-1390. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater, and at Intern Jaws. The Drive with Bill Cameron will be coming up at 4, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., following us here on On the Line, as they do every weekday from 4 to 6. Gentlemen, we've talked a lot about the A-Day game. Let's get to top performers now as we revisit the topic. Who were your top performers this weekend? I feel like Bo Nix should be... I don't feel like there were too many guys that, that stood out Bo Nix stands out, and he better have he better have stood out considering he's the quarterback of the first team offense. I feel like by default that puts him in that category because he had enough reps and enough plays designed for him to make things happen. So I think obviously by default Bo Nix is there outside of Bo Nix, who stands out as a top performer in the A Day game. But just because I said Bo Nix was a top performer in the A Day game does not mean that I think that he played just like outstanding or great or anything like that. I thought he was fine. I thought he did. I thought he did well, but I wasn't overly impressed either because I don't feel like the first team offense dominated the the second team defense. I don't feel like the, I felt like it was still undesirably close between those two units. But outside of that, who were some top performers? Uh, he's not. This guy's not necessarily like a top performer, but I liked what I saw out of him. And Sean Shivers, I like looks good. If he we're going good. outside of Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby, Sean Shivers should be at the top of your he list. He stood. He stood out, and he obviously, hard. obviously, he's not going to be a guy who starts. But when you're looking at a, where Tank Bigsby is going to be the focal point of an offense, where he is the best player that you have on that offense, mm-hmm. it's nice to know that you have someone competent behind him, so mm-hmm. he's not having to run. You know. 99% of the offense like mm-hmm. you have a competent backup and you need that at the running back position you need that you need that boom and zoom that thunder and lightning you got to have a guy who can come in and help spell you out because if not you're going to get worn down in the SEC real quick what I liked so much about Sean Shiver's performance and more so about the scheme that they're building on this offensive side of the ball they had their running backs running downhill it yes. was it was not lateral. It was not sideline to sideline. So many times over the, over Sean Shiver's career, Auburn has wanted to have him trying to grab the edge and try and turn it upfield. And I don't know if you guys have noticed. I don't think Sean Shivers is the most agile running back on the planet. The guys the guy's pretty. He's so jacked that I don't think that he's capable of turning a corner well. I don't think we've seen that of, out of him as a running back. Would you guys agree with that statement? I agree. Yeah, he, he looks like he should be, but he's yeah. not. Like but He looks I, like he should be a gadget back, but he's not. But like, think, he's he's, he's jacked. Like yeah. The guy's huge. That's like trying to tackle a cannonball. I mean, yeah, I mean this as a compliment. He's literally built like a bowling ball. Like Once he gets going, he's really hard to tackle. If he's coming at you straight on, I don't think he's a guy that's kind of <laughs> meant to get to the edge. Although we did see... On A-Day, we did see that one run whenever he was getting out to that right side. He broke a couple of tackles, and that's just what he does. But I don't think he's going to be able to do that consistently and do it well. You get him running north to south, and you get him a lane, he hits it fast. He sees the hole well. I- I'm very impressed. I've always been impressed with his vision. I've always been impressed when, he's- when he finally gets downhill because he's hard to handle. And I think when he finally does get past the initial point of attack at the line of scrimmage and he can get to the second level I think that's when he can showcase his vision and his ability to 
add more yards and find space that he creates himself the problem is the guy's easily tackleable, right because of his size he's easily tackleable. it's probably not fun opposing players probably really don't want to have to tackle the dude head on when i say it's like tackling a cannonball it's the truth this this guy may be short sure we say that and maybe we laugh about it a little bit you know that this short running back is this good and it's all in good fun but like the guy is a is a beast with his with his strength. I mean, just look at the dude's calves. Okay, I'm talking about this guy. How muscular he how muscular he is. Imagine how much that would hurt to have that run into you. After especially after you've been trying to tackle Tank Bigsby for the past, I don't know, like he's a power back, man. This guy is yeah. not a this guy. The way that Auburn tried to use him was as a gadget speed guy, and that's not and him. that's not how he is. Like I don't think he, now once you finally get him into space, he can win a foot race. The problem is he is not uber fast in between the tackles or out on the ledge. I think he's got good top speed like when he gets into straight line, but you don't you rarely ever get into those moments. Yeah, he's, you, you rarely ever get into those moments as a running back. You have to create that own space and like I I don't think he excels with like just a general like quick burst or the ability to regain that speed like a Tank Bigsby does. He's easily tackleable. But I think he's a great number two, and I think he showed out on Saturday. Yeah, and it's, it's good to it's good to have a good number two at running back because the position you have to be durable. You see the mm-hmm. length of career, especially in the NFL, where you see guys who go out and running backs. They, sometimes they only last three, four years at most. Like I mean, you have some guys like Frank Gore who they're never going to retire. But more often than not, guys get worn down quick taking that beating that comes from the running back position. So it is good to see that you have someone. Who can come in and play the position well? You and he never gets hurt. Like you don't need, you don't have to have two top tier tank Bigsby running no. backs. But if you have a guy who can come in, who's going to run hard, you're, you you know he's going to come in there. He's going to hit it hard. That's what Sean Shivers has always done. You know he's going to come in there and do that. You're good. And I, I like what I saw out of him because it helps take the load off of Tank Bigsby just a little bit. And what he does best is when he finally does, like I said, get past the point of attack, get past yep. the initial point at the line of scrimmage when he gets to that second level and he's actually running downhill a he always falls forward you never see that unless he gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage he's always falling forward once he gets that momentum moving forward he's a hard force to stop once he gets past the line of scrimmage he will he finds ways to create his own space i'm always so impressed with sean shivers now unfortunately he does have to rely on his offensive line a little bit more than maybe tank bigsby does because if he does get hit behind the line of scrimmage he's going down and it's going to be a loss there's not a whole lot he could do if the play's broken up at the point of attack but if the offensive line can create a can create a lane for him he'll hit it and once his momentum gets moving forward downhill which he said this in the past he, he likes to run downhill and that's what's exciting him about the offense that's going to help him be the most successful I don't think Auburn's been using him correctly in the past. Saturday was a sign that Auburn's going to use him correctly. And Other th- top performers, maybe? Go ahead, Lance. I think we're actually going to see that that home run ability a little bit more if he can actually break through with this offensive line improving. Tank is more... I feel like Tank is is a is a more powerful carry-on Johnson. Just w- watching him get to the edge and just stiff-arm people and get I outside. I see Carnell Williams. I don't think he's that... I, wasn't Carnell just... Uh, he had a little bit more speed, I feel like. Carnell was definitely more of a, a, a speed bat, but Carnell had some power, too. 
That backfield knew how to hit. But I just feel like Tank is more versatile in that he can get sideline to sideline. And if, if he has to, he can get through a tackle. I don't necessarily think Sean Shivers would be the best at that as far as getting to the edge. Another another guy that stood out to me on A-Day, I think I think you got to go with two the two top tacklers in Trey Elston and Zacoby McLean, who both recorded, let's see, Elston with six tackles, McLean with five, and then they both had a, a pass break up. So I think the secondary and these these linebackers are really, really good for Auburn this season. I'm not quite sold on the defensive line yet. The fact that you had to plug in a tight end into that position is telling as far as your depth there. Um, but I'm really excited, and I've said it over and over and over, I'm really excited with what this secondary and what this linebacker core brings to the table this season. I mean, I agree. Like, I think you do look at some of those top tackling guys. I like what Kamal Haddon did. I mean, I think he was a guy that you were looking for as like a depth piece, like a guy who could come in and spell some of the guys who we were pretty we were pretty confident going in. The defensive backfield was going to be a strong suit of this team. And you were like, all right, let's see what some of this depth looks like. Some of the guys that were not so sold on. So you see some of those guys like that come in and you're like, okay, good. So we got some we got some depth. We got some players that we didn't know about. These guys stand out. And that's that is the good thing about spring. You will see guys like that who come on and you're thinking Cool. We got some depth. That's good. Smoke Monday looked good to me. Yeah, Smoke Monday looked he good. He looked comfortable in this defense. And, I mean, he had the first play of the game on the defensive right. side of the ball laying somebody out. I can't remember who he laid out, but he laid out somebody. And he, he I was impressed with his his positioning. Y'all, he always looked to be in the right place at the right time. It's not like he really just explodes on the stat sheet or anything, but Smoke Monday, I felt like, looked comfortable out there. And a lot of times I felt like we've seen these safeties not look comfortable not not once did I feel like the first team defense looked uncomfortable with anything on that side of the football. So that stood out to me. Among receivers on the offensive side of the ball, still going back to this, I was right in saying that a running back would have the best day. If we were talking about receivers or running backs, who was going to have the best day? It would it be a running back or a receiver? I said a running back. I got it wrong. Devin Barrett didn't get much help from the second team offensive line going against the first team defense. So I was wrong on that one. I thought Devin Barrett maybe would have a little bit better of a day than he did, but he didn't. Tank Bigsby ended up being the guy who stood out on the offensive side of the ball. If you're talking about running backs versus receivers, no real receiver had a huge day. I liked what I saw from Canyon, though. Canyon definitely looked yeah. like the best receiver. He looked like he was on a different level. Kobe Hudson was just kind of meh. meh. He was just like all he, of them were just kind of meh. They, did, they didn't really. Canyon. They didn't really do anything bad. Like Canyon it's, it's looked meh. sharp. Canyon did look really. good. Did he I mean, drop any passes? I'm, I I don't I don't really remember. I don't I don't recall. Many, I don't. I don't no, I think he hold- maybe one at at the most. And you're always going to be impressed. Like anytime someone scores a touchdown in a spring game when it, the score is what seventeen to three, and the you're catch going was to rem- impressive. You're going to remember that guy, and you're yeah. going to remember that play because you didn't see that many of them. So he's going to stand out for that alone. But he also looked good outside of that. I also feel like he was Bo Nix's bailout guy. Yep, he was the Seth Williams. He, he's taking he was that Seth guy. Williams' yeah. spot on the offense. It seems like because there was the play where Bo had to scramble a little bit. He had got he had defensive pass rushers coming from both sides he was like well i gotta stop and throw and he planted and you're thinking all right is this off his back foot and it wasn't he stepped and threw across his body towards the far left sideline and canyon was one who tracked back made that play we saw a couple of comeback routes for canyon then of course the touchdown i'm with y'all i I thought canyon was the bailout guy if there if there was one on the offensive side of the ball I think we saw a lot of concentration from him, i.e. that that touchdown catch. He had, what, six receptions, I think. I don't think he dropped a pass. I, the more I'm thinking about it, I think he caught every single pass that was thrown his way. 
and then obviously that touchdown. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this season. I, I think he is going to fill that Seth Williams role, kind of be that guy who can get downfield and kind of go up and get those 50-50 balls. Obviously, we saw that in the Northwestern game. It's just outside of him. Where I don't see these receivers filling in roles that we've seen in the past. I think we're just going to have to get adjusted to some new, new, a new style of offense and a new style of receiver. On the other side of this break, we talk a little bit more about Auburn's receivers and their performance. A little underwhelmed this weekend. We'll wrap up the show on the other side of this break. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up the show here on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl. ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. American Idol has a twist tonight and an idol first. Ten finalists from last season will return to sing for America's vote. After a week-long vote, one will remain in the competition to close out the top ten. Catch the new episode at 7 on ABC. The Voice goes toe-to-toe with American Idol on NBC at 7. It's the premiere of The Knockouts as Snoop Dogg serves as mentor to all of the teams. Movie selections for tonight, The Bourne Supremacy is on AMC at 6.30. Denzel Washington stars in The Equalizer on TNT at 7. And ESPN 30 for 30, the 85 Bears is on ESPN 2 at 7. Relive one of the NFL's classic teams with personalities like Jim McMahon, Mike Ditka, and Mike Singletary. In live sports, the NBA has two games on ESPN. Starting at 6.30, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors head to the East Coast to play Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. At 9, the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Lakers will wrap up the league schedule. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. That's what I was going to talk about. Wrapping up the show here on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you here in the studio. Got about seven minutes left in the show, six minutes now. And we will then have the drive with Bill Cameron following us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama from 4 to 6 as they do every weekday. Gentlemen, we were all pretty underwhelmed with Auburn's wide receivers, which we thought was a talented young group, but... I feel like they probably were the worst position group of the A-Day spring game. Would you guys agree with that, or do you Completely. think that the offensive line was the worst position group? No, I think I think the, the offensive line was definitely a concern, but as far as what I expected out of these different position groups, wide receiver, so underwhelming. And I understand that we've talked about it a lot and how, how young they are and how inexperienced they are, but goodness gracious, a combined 220 yards receiving from this group it, it 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 was so bad. It was just it was so bad, and there were so many different drop passes. There were so many different times where the quarterback would would have the right idea, and they'd put it in the right spot, and these receivers would just drop it. It would hit them in the chest, and they would just fall to the ground. I don't I don't know what's going on. Running backs too. Running backs drop some passes. Running backs too. I don't know what's going on with the receivers outside of inexperience and youth. I think that will change. Route running was called out. Route running was was another issue. I feel like I think Canyon definitely did. Did play I think he played I have no complaints with 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 Elijah Candy and I, after that though I don't think anyone played particularly well in the right. receiver room I think I think Canyon played to his ability 
um, and everybody else under underperformed or it, the, it, the, as far as depth is concerned, it got to the seventh or eighth string receiver and it's like, well, this is just all they can. Trent do. Mason was a go-to receiver at That's the right. end of the ball game. <laughs> One reception for 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 twenty yards there, but the he end. was targeted he like was. five oh. six times. It's like every play. Like I looked it's like Zach. He's wearing number thirty-two. I, I was laying. That? I was laying in you know lying in my bed sitting there you know. Back brace, you know, up, trying to relax the bones, and I see this, and I'm thinking, did I hit my head harder than I thought? Is Will Hastings out there playing a day right now? <laughs> like I was just, I was so perplexed, and they oh, kept. I mean, you got that deep in the depth chart. They kept wide play, receiver, so they kept throwing. I was, they kept throwing to him. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that was that was Grant Loy's number one target, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody not named Bo Nix is number one target at that point. None of the guys that we really heard about from the spring that were showing out, though, like Javarius Johnson didn't really stand out. Hey, he didn't Malcolm fumble the Johnson, punts. That's fumble. right. He didn't fumble those punts. That's big. Malcolm Johnson Jr. didn't really stand out to me either. I don't think any of those guys. I mean, those were two of the hotter names of, of spring practice. Everybody's like, watch out for this guy. They're going to play a big role in the offense. And they didn't really play a big role. No, Malcolm Johnson Jr. Is that Jr. the quarterback's fault, though, too, though? Well, this is what I was about to say. Malcolm had two receptions for 41 yards. There was a pass, I believe it was third down, where Nix was rolling out, and he had Johnson wide open. He hit him in the chest again, and, and Malcolm just dropped it. If he had caught that pass, he would have led, led the entire receiver room in, in yards in, uh, and catches, I believe. But it, I think Hudson, for me, is the most frustrating part because we expected him, or I expected him, just based off of conversations I've had with different people, for him to be the guy. Like, this guy should be the one that's leading the room in catches and, and yards. I, I think Canyon would probably lead that category in touchdowns. I think Kobe is not necessarily more of, of, of a possession receiver, but he's, he's probably not going to be going to the end zone. But Kobe, I think, underperformed. I think Johnson had the ability to perform well. He just didn't execute, and Canyon played average, and those are going to be our three starting receivers I thought Canyon played well. What are you talking about? He played average. Average. I mean, six receptions for fifty-one yards is is not anything to write home about. But in in, in, a, in a spring game where there caught was caught everything that was thrown his way, though. In a spring game where there was not not a whole lot of offense, especially passing. That's you half know. of Bo Nix's completions, man. When I say that he was Bo Nix's bailout guy, like he was Bo Nix's bailout guy. He it, was also going against the second team, though. I understand that, it, but it wasn't anything insane. Second team receivers, though, man. You feel bad for those guys because they had to go against, as Lance has been saying, the best secondary in college football and against the best, you know, the the primary pass rushing unit of this Auburn defense. With a couple of quarterbacks that just didn't know where to put it. And with, an, with a backup yeah. offensive line that that cannot be that good. Yeah. As, as the offensive line is as bad, the starting offensive line is as bad as it is. You know the you know the second string is. Mm-hmm. And you got to go against the first team, too. So, yeah. I understand that. I understand that. Any other thoughts that you guys had maybe around the league? Did y'all catch any of the other spring day, uh, spring game games? I mean, I flipped over to Alabama's and I saw it was the play where Bryce Young got strip sacked into like sacked in air quotes. So that was the only play I saw. So I went away and I said, you know what? He was terrible today. LSU. When he really wasn't. I was like, in my head, I was like, <laughs> the only play I saw. Even though he got MVP for that, Alabama. That's what I'm saying. Like he played really well. It was just yeah. the one play I saw live. I was like, he looked awful today, and I just turned my <laughs> television, and I, I let myself believe that until later, and I said, all right, let's see how he did today. And I said, oh, 
He looked really good. LSU had two quarterbacks that played really, really well in Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. I don't think TJ Finley played a whole lot, and if he did, he didn't impress. But I believe Johnson and Brennan both threw for over 200 yards. There were a couple of really impressive touchdown catches that their receivers made. I believe Kayshawn Booty is going to be one of the best receivers in the SEC this season. Really, really talented. We saw what he did against Ole Miss last year. Um, but LSU offensively looks really good. Now, whether or not that's a testament to how bad their secondary is still going to be is, is left left to be decided. But I think LSU is probably going to be a little bit better than what people think. Um, I don't think they're going to think not think they're going to blow anybody's socks off, but I don't I don't, I don't think they're going to be terrible. Are you sure it's not Boutte? It might be. <laughs> It's one or the other. That's why I was laughing for a second. I was like, Me and Levi looked at each other. Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure when, that's Kayshawn Boutte. Whenever I was watching highlights, they did say booty at one point, and I'm like, I'm going to roll with that because that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. Let, either, let's either see way. if I can find Booty a, sounds Booty's more fun. Let's be honest. Like, booty's more fun to say. I am going to see if I can find game notes on this and see if it's in the pronunciation guide because I'm, I'm genuinely curious now. <laughs> so let's go back to one of the funnest games of the season, the LSU Mississippi State game last year, mainly because <laughs> I predicted that upset. And let's see if I can find a pronunciation guide. Yeah. I cannot. <laughs> this is going to we'll, take we'll a while. We're we'll get back to it off the air. Say, we'll get, we get we'll get to it tomorrow if we don't find it by then. We'll figure that out. So, I mean, what about Georgia? JT Daniels was throwing the ball for a long time. He looked good. I mean, he he looked good. They look like they got some good receivers out there too. Uh, I mean, it's they, still, they look like men out it's, there. There's still some big Georgia, guys out there. It's still Georgia, though. Like, you're still going to sit there and say, beat Alabama and prove it to me, and I'll get, I'll give you the respect. That's true, but I'll tell you, man, they got some dudes who – they got some big guys over there in Athens. They got some guys who look mean. Jive with Bill Cameron following us here on the show. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You know where to find us.